Oh, wow. Well, good morning. The answer is everything. You know, we laugh, we enjoy it, but I'm telling you, those of us who are involved in weddings, that's not too far from reality. Oh, man. And what they have is a communication problem, don't they? They need to learn. They may be not there yet now, but they're going to be at a place where they're going to have to get to yes. And we've been talking about for the last, we're doing a three-part series on how to get to yes, how we all need to learn how to talk and listen in a way that honors God and esteem others. Can we say that together? In a way that honors God and esteem others. But it seems that today, more than ever before, men and women, brothers and sisters, husbands and wives just can't seem to be able to communicate. It's like, you know, uh, he's speaking Martian, she's speaking Venus or Venetian, I guess it is. Um, it's like we're on two separate planets, you know. We just don't seem to listen. We don't seem to understand. We don't seem to validate each other. Hurt feelings, misunderstandings, unspoken words. Rarely do we walk away from a conversation with the opposite sex really feeling heard, really feeling understood. And I believe this is largely due to the theological fact that men and women are different. Now, there was just a couple years ago, uh, a couple years ago, a decade or so ago, the, the universal thought of that day was what they called unisex, that we really were all the same, and they were trying to convince everybody that men and women are just the same. Now, since then, we've done more and more studies, and we are finding exactly what the Bible clearly teaches, that men and women are different. And those differences can be the, uh, the force that drives you apart, or those differences can be the, the force that drives you like glue together. And that's what God wants. God wants a relationship of, of, of men and women that we are drawn together, that we love and honor and respect each other, that we don't try to fix one another, that we don't try to make the other person into our image. We learn to love them and value them and understand their uniquenesses. We need to get to yes. And we've been studying 1 Peter chapter 3. As he talks about, Peter talks about getting to yes. And in 1 Peter 3, we're going to come back to this passage at the end of our service today. The first five verses, he talks to women. Then he talks to men. And then he kind of summarizes in verses 8 and 9 to all of us. So every single one of you, be it married or single, um, this is referring to you here. Let's read it. 1 Peter chapter 3. Peter says in verse 8, finally, he's kind of summarizing, all of you. And what does all of you mean? All of you, means you, all of us, should be of, what's the word? One mind. We need to get to yes. We need to learn how to compromise. We need to learn how to complement each other. We need to get to yes. How do you do that? Well, by sympathizing with each other, understanding each other, loving each other as brothers and sisters, being tender-hearted, not so proudful, and keep a, a humble attitude, a, a teachable attitude. Verse 9, don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a what? A blessing. That's what God wants us to do. Pay them back with a blessing. That is God has called you to do, and he, and, and he will bless you for it. 
You see, we have the power, we have the ability to choose to get to yes, to choose to have one mind. But we got to work hard at it. we got to grow in our understanding of each other. we got to grow in our respect of our differences and valuing our differences. We've got to be willing to learn from each other. It's not always, I'm right and you're wrong, or you're right and I'm wrong. Sometimes it's just a different perspective, a different point of view. And God has called us to work hard at it, to work hard at getting to yes. So I want to ask you this morning, are you willing to work hard at it? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Are you really willing to work hard at it? Or you just want to go to church and go home? You know, I hope you want to work hard at it. Man, great relationships makes life so great. And bad relationships make life so bad. So if you really want to work hard at getting to yes, I hope you got a pen out. And you're going to take notes. And who are you taking notes for? Yeah, for your spouse. No, for you, yourself. All right, so let's, let's get to yes by going to work at it and going to work hard at ourselves. You see, for the first 10 years of Jan and I's marriage, I mean, we were battling. We were battling, you know. Uh, Jan came from a very uh, dysfunctional family, you know, and I was trying to fix her. You know, I had all this training in seminary, and I was going to fix her, and she wanted to make me over into her image. She wanted me to be more like her. And I wasn't like her. And so we were on this terrible merry-go-round, you know. We were just going around and around and around. And nobody was merry. And we needed to learn how to love talk. Say it with me. Love talk. Not love talk, L-O-V-E, but love talk. That's pretty good. You guys got that down. And love talk stands for, L stands for what? Listen. You were listening last week, at least the ladies. I didn't hear any male voice there, by the way. Guys, we need to do what? Listen. Still pretty lame, okay. And uh, U stands for understand. We want to listen to the words. We're going to try to understand their needs. And then V stands for validate. We want to validate their feelings. So first we need to listen to the words. We shared last week the number one complaint wives make to psychotherapists is my husband doesn't talk to me. Now, I can honestly and sincerely say my wife has never made that complaint. Apparently, I talk too much, okay? Um, you know, she's made many other complaints, so don't stereotype me think I'm this great husband, you know? She, um, um, we, we don't need to go there. Anyways, uh, I, I'm not, but I work hard, um, and I try hard. But the number one complaint is my husband doesn't talk, and the number one response of the husbands are my wife never shuts up, all right? which kind of brings this very controversial subject of who talks more, men or women, and we kind of addressed that a little bit last week and got some pushback, and pushback's okay around here. We like feedback. Just attach your name to it, you know, just attach your name to it, or we don't like it, um, but we like feedback. But through research, it has been documented that men do talk more than women in public conversations. Some women would say men control and dominate public conversations. And women seem to talk more in private conversations, which leads back to that same question, why doesn't my husband talk? Why doesn't my wife listen? And we're on this merry-go-round again, and no one's married. And the reason why my husband doesn't talk is why, ladies? He's a what? 
He's a man. That's part of the reason why he's a man. And the reason why your wife doesn't listen is because she's a, she's a woman. You know, even the ladies knew the answer to that one. She's a woman. All right. But studies have conclusively found that men feel more comfortable in public conversations because they're gaining and giving information. You see, the goal of communication for man is different than the goal of communication for a woman, typically speaking in generalities. A man's goal is to, is to exchange information, kind of like the old Dragnet TV show. How many remember Dragnet, Sergeant Friday? I'm not the only old one here. Okay, that's good. And, uh, and on Dragnet, Sergeant Friday, he'd always say to the lady, just the facts, ma'am, just the facts. I mean, he's saying no emotion, no feeling, just give me the facts. And that's kind of the way guys are when it comes to conversation. Just the facts, ma'am, just the facts, you know. Um, just, just tell me the facts. Give me information. And if you want your husband to talk more, just give him more information. He wants information. Just give him more information. He'll stay in touch. You know. Now, women, uh, primarily, they're not looking for information. They're looking to connect. That's why women usually feel more comfortable in private conversation because their goal is interaction. Their goal is to connect with each other. So women want interaction. Men want information. Now, let me be very clear in saying it again, that one is not right and the other is wrong. God has uniquely wired us differently. It's innate. As a matter of fact, they spent a great deal of time studying four-year-olds, watching them play, watching little boys and watching little girls. And as they watched them in these different study groups, they noticed that every word that came out of a little girl's mouth was actually a word. And little girls spent a lot of time talking to other little girls, and they spent an equal, almost an equal amount of time talking to themselves. Now, I don't know if your wife does that, you know, but I remember finding my wife in the bedroom carrying on a conversation, and nobody was there. You know, so what I wanted to do, I wanted to fix her. You know, I don't do that. The only time I ever talk out loud is maybe when I'm going through a message and preparing to say something. Um, and so my response was like, honey, who, who are you talking to, you know? Very common, very natural for a woman to speak to herself, sometimes even in public, um, you know? And that's all right. That's all right. Um, now, little boys, they studied them, and they found out that only 60% of their words were actually words. 40% were grunts, uh, noises, sound effects, you know? See, men primarily talk as a means to an end. Women talk in an end in itself. And I think a beautiful verse that I would really encourage all of us to put to memory in dealing with relationships is James 1.19. Can we read this? In fact, let me read it. You, you can help me, all right? Everyone should be quick to listen. Everyone. Everyone means everyone. Every one of us. This is a great life verse. In life, as a Christ follower, we need to learn to be quick to listen. This is the foundation for love talk, is to learn to patiently to listen. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. So we need to patiently listen to each other. Now, guys... Help me out here. What are we listening for? We're listening for 
Man, this is bad, ladies. They were here last Sunday, and none of them have a clue. I, I told you that, that we only use half our brains half the time. You need to be a little more patient with us. Guys, this is real important. What, what are we listening for? We talked about last week two things. We're listening for feelings and, isn't it up there? They don't, help them out. Give them the answer. Feelings and needs. That's right. The ladies screaming out over here, needs, needs, needs. Yes, meet her needs, guys. Okay. Uh, feelings, we're looking for, you know, hurt feelings and unmet needs. That's what we're listening for. We're listening for feelings and needs. All right? Now, how do we listen? Guys, we primarily were talking to you last week, all of us, but how, how do we listen? We listen with our ears. Guys, that's, that means guys, answer me. We listen with our what? Ears. Thank you, guys. Okay. And that's what you call active listen rather than passive listening. You know, we actively, we choose to listen. That's something we got to choose to do, guys. All right, so we listen with our ears, and then we listen with our eyes, you know, and that's called focus listening or focus attention. It means turning off the TV, you know, the, uh, the cell phone, the Facebook, whatever, and really focusing on the person when you talk. And then we need to listen with our heart. Very good. Empathic listening. Very important. Now, how do we get the opposite sex where we are today? How do we get the opposite sex to listen to our words? How do you get your wife to listen more to your words and to quit talking so much? How do you do that? Number one, we make I statements about our feelings. We make I statements about our needs. Guys, we learn to talk on a feeling and on a needs level. And guys, I, I know you can do this. I mean, when you come visit me, you guys are vulnerable. I mean, we got great guys in this church. You share your feelings and needs, and then when you go to your wife, it's a little more risky. And you got to be willing to take risks. You got to be vulnerable. You got to be in touch with your feelings and needs. A lot of guys are just trying to make it through life, and they're not in touch with their deep feelings and needs. And if you want her to quit talking so much, you start sharing feelings and needs, and she'll start listening. She'll start listening, won't she? She really will. And, you know, your spouse can't know what you're truly feeling inside unless you tell them. And, ladies, I know Valentine's Day came, and I'm sure there's some of you here this morning, you know, that for Valentine's Day you wanted, you wanted white roses, and you were expecting white roses, and Valentine's Day came, and he didn't get you white roses. And you're thinking what a jerk he is, and maybe he is. I don't know, you know. And, and, and he didn't get you white roses. Now, is he a jerk? Now, if you told him that you wanted white roses for Valentine's Day, and it means a lot to you, and you feel loved when you get white roses, you feel important, you feel valued, you feel attractive when you get white roses, you really want him if you get white roses, and he doesn't get you white roses, what is he? He's a jerk, okay? But if he didn't bring you white roses and you didn't tell him you wanted white roses, who's the jerk? I hate to say it. Okay, I won't say it, but I think you know it. You know, feelings and needs are like buried treasure. They're buried deep within our hearts, and we need to express it. We can't expect our spouse to read our minds. You're going to be frustrated. You're going to be disappointed. You're going to go through life upset and bothered all the time because he can't. He's a man. 
All right, just accept his limitations. He's a man. You need to tell him what you want and need. And I guarantee if you tell him and you make it nice statements, he's going to come through. Example here. Wife says, I feel fat and unattractive when I see you staring at other women. That's an I statement. Rather than saying, why are you always staring at other women? Which is accusatory, right? Which is inflammatory. It's insinuating that they're always staring at other women. But when you say, I feel, he can't argue with that. I feel fat. I feel unattractive. What man in his right mind wants to make his wife feel that way? When I see you staring at other women. We need to stay away from why questions and you statements. We need to stay away from why questions and you statements. We need to speak in the first person. Now, I've been really trying hard to work on this. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm honest. I think I told you before my messages, I'm just a why guy. That's just the kind of guy I am. I'm very inquisitive. I'm asking why all the time. I go through life every day asking why, why, why. It's kind of like part of my role in being the leader of a church and knowing the condition of my flock. I'm always asking why. And we've got a great uh, coach, uh, executive coach working with us in our church right now. Uh, his name is Dr. James Davis. James plays golf with guys like Dr. Henry Cloud, who is the leading psychologist uh, today in America. Uh, he plays golf with people like uh, Patrick Lencioni, which is the leading business coach out there uh, in America today. He's got some great books. And so, man, it's been great being with James Davis. And James, on more than one occasion, he has said to me, and the way he goes about this is really good. He'll say, like, you know, you, you ask a lot of why questions, Raymond. And he'll say, that's a good thing. You know, he always starts with a positive. I know something's coming, you know. You know, we all know that. Where's the but, you know? Yeah, you, you ask a lot of why questions. That's a good thing. Like, why did I do this, you know, or why did I do that? But when you start a conversation with others with why, it can come across accusatory. Like, why did this happen? In other words, why did you do this, you idiot? I mean, that's how it comes across. And then we become reactive. Instead of saying why, we ask how. How did it happen? Next week, when we talk about be, you know, dealing with our kids, whenever you feel like killing your kids, you need to ask yourself, how? You know, and ask your kids, how did this happen? How did you drive the car into the garage? Rather than, why did you drive the car into the garage? And it really, is, it really does work. You know, and again, I'm trying to be sarcastic to keep you engaged because some of you aren't listening, but it, 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 really, it really does work. Because when you ask how, you're being inquisitive. You're not attacking them. So stay away from what kind of questions, guys and gals? Why questions? Ask how questions. Stay away from the second person, you. You do this and you do that. No, you say I. And you share how you feel. You share your needs. And keep your sentences short and to the point. The purpose is to discover their feelings and needs, and you can't discover their feelings and need if you're talking all the time. So the first point in, in love talk is to listen. And the goal in listening to the words is for the other party to feel, what's the word? Heard. We all want to be heard. And we want our spouse especially to feel heard. And I can just look back on it. You know, the early years of Jan and I's marriage, both of us were just dying to be heard. You know, and we would kind of attack each other and blame each other. And I try to fix her rather than listening to her. We both just wanted to be heard. And I remember I can go back to my journals way back when my devotional journals. And I 
all the time was quoting that verse, James 1.19. Lord, help me to be quick to listen and slow to speak. Help me to be quick to listen and slow to speak. It was like a life verse about 20 years ago. And I think my wife would say now, for the most part, man, I am quick to listen and I'm slow to speak. It's hard for a man to change, but they're, they're capable of changing, so don't give up hope. All right, so you need to listen to their words, and then you stands for what? You, you've gone to sleep already. I mean, this, it hasn't been go- I've been speaking that long. We need to what? Understand. Understand their needs. All right? And I was getting better at listening, but I was kind of, at this point, 10 years in, kind of struggling with really understanding her needs. Matter of fact, one of my wife's favorite statements, and it used to aggravate the stew out of me, we'd get in a conversation, and she'd always say this, you just don't understand. And I hated that question, that statement, you know, because, you know, I'm Raymond Underwood. You know, I've gone to school and seminary, you know, I, I, you know but you know what? And it was accusatory. She was using a you statement. It was wrong. <laughs> but she was right because I didn't understand. I went into marriage like most guys thinking they know so much about the opposite sex, you know. And then I began to read great books. One book by Dr. Harvey, I strongly recommend it, called His Needs, Her Needs. Um, great book. And then Gary, uh, uh, John Gray's book on men are from Mars and women are from Venus. And Deborah Tanner's book on You Just Don't Understand by that actual title, dealing with communication. And a lot of the studies I'm sharing with you today comes from Deborah Tanner's book. And I discovered when it comes to communication, women want cooperation and men kind of want competition. I mean, to most women, conflict is seen as a threat to connection. And it should be avoided at all costs. They want to stay connected to us. Women often avoid conflict first by cooperating, you know. And again, you can see this in the way little girls play. Little girls, when they play, they often make proposals. Rather than being confrontational, they make statements like, let's. You know, watch them. Aren't they so cute? You know, it's really true. Let's. Let's do this, Daddy. Let's do that. They attempt to influence others without directly telling each other what to do. What do boys do? Just the opposite. You need to do this, you know. We're going to do this now, you know. Girls are so nice. They say, let's. They say, let's play four square. How many of you have played four square in your lifetime? Almost all of you. Some of you really need to get out a little more. Now, the, the goal of four, because you really haven't lived life if you haven't played four square. It's a great game. Now, the goal of four square is to get to square number what? Is it four? I thought it was one. Well, man, at least I need to play more four square. So maybe we'll set it up in the lobby next Sunday. Probably be a good thing to do. So you start out at one, which that means that picture there is, is wrong. And at, at square number one then, because I can tell you really got it right, that's where everyone lines up to get in, right? Now, when you, if you ever watch little girls playing four square, you know what they do? If, if they're all the way around, you know, or they're at square one or two, you know, and they want to get up to four, what they say, rather than just taking the next person out by hitting the ball hard, they say, Sally, who's standing in line, Sally, I'm going to help get you in. And then they cream it, the ball, you know, on candy over here, you know. And they're trying to let candy know, candy, it's not that I don't like you, is I just really want to help Sally get in. So they always announce what they're going to do before they do it. So they stay connected to candy. I mean, girls really are sugar and spice and all things nice. They, they really are. And, and they, they start conversations with let's. 
And then they hit the ball. And they call that, you know, nice, mean versus or mean, nice. You know, they're, they're, they're being mean for the purpose of being nice. Right? And guys, that's what happens. Sometimes she's just so sweet. Then all of a sudden she just turns into this witch. You know, that's that nice, mean thing. It just happens. And girls, what they often do too, this is really true. Ladies, what they do, often when they're communicating, they send up like trial balloons, hoping that guys will see it and figure it out. And I tell ladies all the time, you're wasting your time. He's a guy. He's not going to see it. Just tell him, and he'll do it. But you got to just tell him, you know. But we just keep sending up trial balloons, hoping he's going to see it and just figure it out. But it doesn't really happen. Now, boys... When it comes to games and sports and watching boys, they, they kind of like conflict. It's kind of like part of competition, you know. Boys like to play openly competitive, physically aggressive games like football and hockey and basketball. And as a result, friendships are formed. Matter of fact, if you read Gary, uh, uh, Dr. Harvey's book, one of the things he points out, every guy, they, they want their bride or their wife to play physical sports and activities with them. They, they bond that way, you know. They bond. They feel close to the guys they beat up on the, on the court, you know. And, and so they, they want their spouse to be a part of that. Now, have you ever watched how when little boys start noticing little girls, you know, and how they try to demonstrate affection? I mean, they're just mean. They kind of compete against them. They, they tease them. They pull their pigtails. And, and what's this poor little girl thinking? She's trying to avoid conflict, and this little boy just keeps pulling her pigtails, you know? Guys, that's not the way to get a girlfriend. That's not the way to get a wife. Uh, we need to quit competing so much and work together and compliment each other. I love the way the Apostle Paul puts it. He says, don't be so selfish, guys and gals. Don't, don't live to make a good impression on others. Be humble. Think of others as better than yourself. Great life verse again. Think of your spouse the way the opposite sex is, is better than yourself. Don't think only about your own affairs, but be interested in others too and what they're doing. You know, the more I read and understand the opposite sex, the more I realize that understanding and understanding my wife's unique needs and feelings and wants is one of the highest forms of love I can give her. For her to feel truly understood by me. Listen to this verse. Matter of fact, let's read this verse together. It's found in Proverbs 25. Let's read it in one voice, can we? The purpose of a man's heart are deep waters. But a man of understanding. Now, if I could rewrite the Bible, I'd write it this way. The purpose of a woman's heart are very, very, very deep waters. But a husband of understanding draws them out. See, we got to take some responsibility in drawing out their needs. We got to take some responsibility in drawing out their wants. And ladies, you need to do the same. A person of deep understanding will strive to try to listen and to hear and to understand what our spouse or the other person thinks. Now, how do you do that? Two simple little key things that really will help you to, to understand, to really listen to the words and understand is the statement, what I heard you say, and then paraphrase back what you heard them say. It really works. It's called reflective listening rather than reactive listening. And as we read there in Peter, what most of us do when we hear something, we take it as a personal attack and we react to it. 
And rather than react to it, we develop the habit of saying, what I heard you say was, and then we paraphrase what we hear our, our spouse or the other person saying, what we hear our boss saying. It's amazing how that works. And then the person says, that's what you heard. Or they say, nope, that's not what you heard. And usually it takes a couple of times. We think we're hearing what they're saying. We're not. And so we got to go a little slower. And we say, you know, I, what I heard you say. And then we paraphrase back what we heard them say. Now, my wife and I, we started doing this. It kind of became natural. We do it all the time. You know, we'll be talking and I'll just say, you know, what I heard you say, honey, is. and Or, honey, what I heard you say. And we just paraphrase it back. Now, even to this day, sometimes, you know, things might get a little more intense. Or I feel like I'm not being heard. Or she feels like she's not being heard. And we revert back to what's called the speaker-listener technique. And I would encourage many of you couples to begin doing this. Often you take a, a pen or a remote control and, and we just grab it. You know, we've done this enough. We just, I just grab it. That means, hey, I'm really trying to say something here and I, I really want you to listen and understand what I'm saying. So I'll, I'll grab the pen, which means I have the floor, which means I can talk and she can't talk. All she's got to do is just listen. You know, I've got the pen right now. And then I begin to share, hopefully, on a, on a you know, not asking uh, how questions, but, but not asking why questions, but uh, how questions. Speaking in the first person, I feel a need, and I share that. And then when I'm done, I hand her the pen, and she says, what I heard you say is, and then she repeats back what she heard me saying, right? Pretty simple, pretty easy. And then, you know, I, she says, no, that, or I said, no, that's not what I said. Then you repeat it back, and then I take the pen back again and say, what I heard you say is, and now you're ready for the second question. This is where it gets really important. The second question you say is, is there anything else, dear? And you see, that's when the truth comes out. I'm telling you, the majority, more than 50% of the issue at hand isn't the issue at hand. We fight all the time on surface level issues, and we're not dealing with needs and hurts. And so that's why that question, my wife loves it when she hears that question. Is there anything else, dear? That means, you know, I've, I've taken my time to really listen and understand you. I've created a safe environment. Now she feels safe that I'm not going to just jump, you know, in. Not going to just try to fix her. And I say, is there anything else, dear? And then she gives me, the, gives, me the, gives me the real stuff, the real issue. So what I heard you say, and is there anything else, dear? See, the goal is you want to hear and understand each other. That's the goal. Not just to hear, you want to begin to understand each other. All right, so help me out here, guys. Everybody with me? Let's review Love Talk, all right? L stands for? Listen. What are we listening for? Words. And what, are, what, what words are we listening for? What kind of words? What are we listening for? We're listening for feelings and needs. Man, you guys are so much better than the first service. Feelings and needs. And that was a bad thing to say, wasn't it? Because apparently maybe I did a better job teaching at this service than the last service, right? So what are we listening for? Feelings and needs. Feelings and needs, all right? Feelings and needs. Hurt feelings and unmet needs. Now, how do I get my spouse to listen to my words? We make what kind of statements? I statements. I statements about our feelings and needs, okay? We avoid why questions and you statements. We make I statements about our feelings and needs. So we're listening to the words, and we're listening for feelings and needs. That's listen. You stands for understand. Understand their needs. 
And two statements that will help you really understand their needs. The first one is, the first service did a much better job on that one than you did. No. What I heard you say, what I heard you say, and you paraphrase back what you heard them say. And then the second question is, is there anything else, dear? Is there anything else? All right. And now you're ready for V. Listen, understand, and validate their feelings. Now, when I first heard uh, Dr. Uh, Smalley talk about this, Dr. Gary Smalley at a pastor's marriage conference we were at, you know, they went through listen, understand, and uh, man, I felt pretty good. I knew I was, I was doing pretty good, and my wife was doing well, you know, and she's listening, and I could tell I was doing all right. And then all of a sudden, he started talking about this part, and my wife just lit up like a Christmas tree. And I knew, oh boy, I'm in trouble at this point. And I, I thought I had this thing all done, and I was still had a lot of work to do, which is validating her feelings. Validate your feelings, her feelings. You see, I'm not really a feeling kind of guy. I'm a kind of like you can make it happen kind of guy, suck it up, you know, quit your crying. I mean, let's, 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 let's take the hill kind of guy, you know. But God says this in Ephesians 5. He says, each man, that's including me, Raymond, must love his wife as he loves himself. And if I'm really going to love my wife, I need to validate her feelings. Now, in my situation, the problem I had, I think I associated, wrongly, wrongly so, I associated validating her feelings with agreeing with her feelings. And I thought I was being inauthentic and not real and honest to validate her feelings. Validating her feelings means to validate her feelings. You can validate someone's feelings without necessarily agreeing with their point of view. And it's amazing, especially in relationships to the opposite sex, if you will just validate, if you'll acknowledge their feelings, if they really feel hear, heard by you, the problems usually just go away. It's amazing. We just want to be heard. We just want to be understood. We just want to be validated for the way we feel. And once we do that, the problems usually take care of themselves. Now, the key, the key to validating their feelings is don't rush to find a solution. Guys, because we're so guilty of this. I mean, I'm just guilty as charged. I'm a problem solver. I mean, that's kind of what I do for a living is help solve problems. And when I come home, I, my wife doesn't want me to solve her problems and fix her. Maybe it's getting a little too personal. But often she'll say, you know, I'm not your staff. I'm your wife, you know. And she's saying, you know, go fix them, but you're not, you're not here to fix me, you know. And what I've discovered is that, you know, when she asks, well, what do you think, honey? What do you think, Raymond? She doesn't want to know what I think, you know. And it took me a long time to kind of get over that, you know. She, re she really doesn't want to know what I think. She wants me to help sort out what she thinks. Right? And it really is true. In my wife's brain, she's got like all these filing cabinets. And again, she uses all of her brain. We only use half of ours. And she's got all these filing cabinets and like they're all messed up. And she doesn't want me to fix her or help her to tell the solution. She just wants me to help her think through her filing cabinets. And then she figures it out. You know? And it, it took me a long time to, to understand that. She just wanted me to validate how she feels. And if I validate how she feels, she can figure it out. She can figure it out. She's a big girl. I don't need to fix her. Now, when Chris and John come to me and they've got a problem, they, they want an answer. They want a solution to the problem. 
Jan doesn't want an answer. No, she really does. <coughs> she wants you, me to help her to value what she thinks, and in doing so, that she'll find the answer herself. So you see, women want understanding. Men want advice. And guys, we just got this God-given bent to be problem solvers, to fix things. Now, what makes matters worse? Often when something is broken mechanically around the house, what does she do? Hey, you know, hey, fix this. And we run to it, and we put on our Superman's costume, and we fix it, right, you know? And now when she comes to us with a, an emotional problem or issue, you know, we want to jump right in and fix it. No, don't fix it. Don't fix it. Validate her feelings. Let me illustrate. This is a true story, what I'm trying to say here. Susan, she had a lump removed um, from her breast. And shortly after the operation, she shared with her sister that she found the whole thing upsetting. Uh, the scar from the stitches has changed the shape of her breast. And her sister said, man, I know. When I had my operation, I felt the same way. Now, what did her sister do? She did what? She validated her feelings. That felt good. Now, when Susan shared her feelings with her friend Karen, Karen said, man, I know how you feel. It's like your body has been violated. What did Karen do? She did what? She validated her feelings. Now, when Susan told her husband Mark how she felt about the scar and the shape of her breast, Mark said, you can have plastic surgery. Cover up the scar. I mean, that sounds like a great answer to me. You got a problem, yeah, you know, you can have plastic surgery. Restore the shape of your breast. It's no big deal. What did Mark give her? He gave her his advice. He tried to fix it. He tried to fix her. You guys are laughing because that's exactly what you do. <laughs> right? Susan didn't think so. She became very angry at Mark. She thought Mark didn't understand her feelings. Worse than that, he was asking her to undergo more surgery after she just told him how she was upset about the operation she just had. She responded by raising her voice and getting angry. I am not having any more surgery. I'm sorry that you don't like the way it looks. <laughs> Things have now turned to the worse. Mark's hurt and confused, and he says, honey, I don't care. Honest, I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. Well, then Susan said, then why are you telling me to have plastic surgery? Mark says, because you're upset about the way it looks. <laughs> Susan wanted and needed for Mark to validate her feelings. Mark gave her his advice. Now, what did Mark do wrong? What did Mark do wrong? No one's given me the right answer yet. Gave her advice. Well, no, but what did he do wrong? What's, what do you need to walk away with today? No, what did he do wrong? He rushed to find a solution. Please don't misunderstand me. I'm trying to have fun this morning. Your wife does want answers. She just doesn't want it real quick. She wants you to help her to process and to figure it out. And you know what we do wrong, guys? We rush in there. We put on our Superman's cape, and we're going to help find a solution. We think we're going to help save the day and fix her. And now you're living outside, you know? <laughs> Don't rush to find a solution. 
One of the greatest gifts you can give your spouse is to validate their feelings. The goal in validating their feelings is for your spouse to feel honored. 1 Peter 3. Respected. And guys, when we honor our spouse and esteem them and we honor them, it means you raise them up in value. Guess who gets raised up in value? You do. That's what servant leadership's all about. That's what being a Christian's all about. It's honoring others, esteeming others. And as you esteem and raise them up, you raise up in value too. And we need to make a commitment as Christians to honor our relationships, to get to yes by listening, by understanding, and by validating their feelings. Now, what I'd like to do right now, I'd like to go back to 1 Peter chapter 3. And I'd like for all you all, just if you would, just to, uh, you can read this at home this week if you want, but if you would just bow your heads and close your eyes. We're going to look through 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 9. I'm going to read this verse, and I just pray as I read these verses that you will just pray God's word into your life and into your relationships. Okay? We're going to start with the wives, then we're going to go to the husband, then we're going to go to everybody. In 1 Peter chapter 3, Peter begins with these words. He says, ladies, in the same way, you wives must accept the authority of your husband. You need to respect him. Respect his role in your marriage, in your life. Right now, ladies, can you pray and say, God, help me. Help me to respect the authority of my husband. And then Peter says, then even if he refuses to obey the good news, in other words, maybe you're married to someone who doesn't believe the gospel, the good news. Peter says, your godly lives will speak to them without any words. The way you win them and influence in them, the way you get to yes, isn't with your mouth. It's with your life. Can you pray? God, help me to live a life that honors and points people to you. Verse 4, Peter says, You should clothe yourself instead with the beauty that comes from within. He's talking to ladies here. He says, The unfading beauty of a gentle and a quiet spirit, which is so precious to God. Ladies, can you pray right now and say, God, help me to have a gentle and a quiet spirit. God, help me to be quick to listen. And then in verse 7, he addresses husbands, and he says, Husbands, in in the same way you husbands must give honor to your wives. Right now, can you say, God, help me to give honor to my wife. Help me to raise her up in value. Help me to esteem her. And then he tells us how to do it. He says, Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. Can you pray right now and say, God, help me to marvel at the uniqueness of my wife of the beauty of her emotions. Help me not to mimic and make fun of her. Help me to love and respect her for the way you have uniquely shaped her. Peter goes on and says, she may be weaker than you are, 
but she's your equal partner in God's gift of this new life. She's your equal partner. Then he says, treat her as you should so your prayers will not be hindered. Can you pray right now and say, God, help me. Help me to treat my wife as my equal partner. And then Peter finally turns to all of us and he says, finally, all of you should be of one mind. Can you pray right now and say, God, help me to get to yes in my relationships. Help me to be of one mind. Sympathize with each other. God, give me understanding. Love each other as brothers and sisters. Be tender-hearted. Can we all pray and say, God, help me to be more tender-hearted. Help me to keep a humble attitude. Don't repay evil for evil and, and don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That's what God's called you to do. Right now, can you say, God, help me to respond rather than react? When people say negative things, God, help me not to take it so personally. Help me to listen and to understand and to validate others. God, that's what you want us to do. That's what you want us to do. I pray that you help us to do it. Help us to grow. Help us to change. Help us to become more like Christ. Give us a heart that really hears, that really understands, that really values others. God, help us to honor and esteem those around us, that we might get to yes. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.